Welcome, listeners, to the next chapter of Southern Grimoire. I'm your host, K.D. Burr. In this chapter, we'll explore some of Oklahoma's curious creatures, cryptids, and entities. The state is steeped in Native American culture and folklore, and some say that Oklahoma's rich tribal history is what makes the state a magnet for strange, and even supernatural, activity. The Quapaw Tribe has their tribal base in northeastern Oklahoma, near the Missouri border. It is in the small town of Quapaw that a sort of paranormal enigma makes its presence known. On Old East 50 Road, once darkness falls, a flame-colored orb, nearly the size of a basketball, can be seen dancing down the center of the road and darting off into trees. Commonly called the spook light, searching for the flaming orb provides a popular pastime for locals and visitors alike. According to legend, the spook light was first seen by tribes traveling westward on the Trail of Tears, but the first documented sighting was in 1881. There have been many explanations for the mysterious light, some rooted in Native American legend. One story says the light is actually the torch of an Osage Indian decapitated in battle. The dancing and swaying of the light is him, stumbling in the darkness in search of his missing head. Another explanation comes from the Quapaw tribe. It tells the story of a young couple, forbidden to marry by the woman's father. They ignored her family's wishes and eloped, but a happy ending was not to be. They were pursued by tribal warriors, led by the woman's father. Rather than face life apart, together they leapt to their deaths in the Spring River. The spook light is said to be the young lovers running through the forests for the rest of time. One popular legend attributes the spook light to the glowing lamp of a miner. While working far from home, the miner's homestead was attacked by Indians. When he returned, he found his house in shambles with his wife and children missing. He set out into the night, lantern aloft, to find them, and he never stopped searching. In college, even I went out in search of the mysterious light. At the time, my friend and I were videographers for a ghost hunting group, the Carthage Area Society of Paranormal Research, or CASPER for short. It was one of my first hunts, and I was eager to explore the woods and catch something exciting on tape. Before loading our equipment, I made sure both our cameras were fully charged, with two backup batteries. Locals say the best time to catch the light is between 10 p.m. and 1 a.m., and we arrived a quarter till midnight. We set off into the woods, calling out for spirits to make their presence known. After nearly an hour, we were ready to call it quits, when all of a sudden, about a hundred yards ahead, we saw a light flash back and forth between two trees hover for a moment, and disappear. A few seconds later, the light reappeared, further back in the woods. I excitedly raised my camera to my eye, and nothing happened. My camera, though fully charged, had died. My friend's camera, both our K2 meters, and an EVP recorder were useless as well. And just like that, the light was gone. We were left alone in the woods, without an explanation for what we had seen, or for the untimely electronic malfunctions that we had experienced. Many have tried to discover the source of the spook light, including the Army Corps of Engineers. But so far, 
no one has been able to conclusively prove what causes the anomaly. Some scientists believe that the spook light may be the result of electrical atmospheric charges. Deep below Earth's surface, the ground is almost constantly shifting, though most times imperceptibly. In some cases, when rock slides against each other, an electrical charge is created. The area where the spook light is most commonly seen lies near a fault line. It is possible that the shifting ground near the fault line is causing disturbances in the electric field, causing the appearance of the spook light. Though, I would like to believe the explanation is a little more mystical than that. Off the beaten path and deep in the more rural parts of Oklahoma, there lurks another figure from native legends. This one, however, is much more ominous. The Navajo call them skinwalkers, but they are known by many names among different tribes and cultures. They are shapeshifters, and often, they are harbingers of misfortune and death. The most well-known skinwalker legends come from the Navajo. By day, they believe the creatures walk freely among the tribe, but by night, the skinwalkers secretly take their true form. The skinwalker is thought to be a powerful shaman or witch who has chosen to use their gifts for evil. They take the form of animals, and sometimes even other humans, in order to carry out their wicked deeds. To become a skinwalker, Legend says one must complete a ritual that includes the murder of a family member. For this reason, they are seen as cursed creatures, in spite of their tremendous power. Navajo legend says that the skinwalkers must wear the skins of any creature they transform into, whether coyote, raccoon, or human. Because of this, the tribe considers it taboo to wear any animal pelts. The tribes of Oklahoma have their own versions of these creatures. The Choctaw in particular have a plethora of eerie legends. Hoklanote is a shapeshifter, a malevolent spirit with the power to assume any shape at will. With one look, Hoklanote can read your thoughts and see your darkest fears. The Choctaw also believe in the Shilombish, or outside shadow. Each person has a Shilombish, and when they die, it stays behind. The shadow is doomed to roam, tasked with frightening away the friends and family the Shilombish had known in life. The shadow was able to assume the form of a fox, or sometimes an owl. Its piercing screeching and cries are said to be warnings. Another fearsome creature is the Ishkatini. Legend says that the Ishkatini is half man, half owl and he can shapeshift between forms at will. The Ishkatini makes his home deep in the forest. If you hear his cry, it is said to foretell imminent death among those who heard it. Skinwalkers are known to bring vengeance and death along with them, and the stories of those who have encountered skinwalkers are hair-raising. Some describe being tormented late at night by something skittering across their roof, hearing knocks on their windows, or banging on the walls. Some have experienced the feeling of being watched, only to catch a glimpse of a humanoid figure peering through the window. One man, who chose to remain unnamed, shared his experience with the skinwalker online, prompted by those like myself who are curious about the legend. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation, the man wrote. 
One winter, I was home for Christmas, taking care of the farm while my parents were away. I was home by myself, and late in the evening, I heard our cows making a lot of noise. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in the area. So, I threw on some boots, grabbed a shotgun, loaded it up, and headed out to the field. It was cloudy, but the moon was full, breaking through the clouds and casting a light across the snow. I ran out into the middle of the field, just in time to see two dogs. They were upright, snarling, facing each other and fighting. I pumped a shell into the chamber of my 12-gauge, and then it happened. The two dogs had heard the rack, and they both stopped, looked over at me with human-like eyes, and after a moment, they began to run away, on their hind legs, like a human. Immediately I froze and every ghost story about skinwalkers and all the other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. That night, they became real to me. Luckily, the man's farm was not tormented by the creatures, and he hasn't seen one since. Legend says they can be particularly difficult to kill. In order to destroy a skinwalker, you must track them down, learn their true identity, and speak their name aloud. Others say the job can be done by a silver arrowhead or bullet dipped in white ash. Whichever method is correct, it's probably best to try and avoid them altogether. Tahlequah, Oklahoma, at the foot of the Ozark Mountains, is the capital of the Cherokee Nation and home to numerous legends of its own. In 1842, a man exploring the area stumbled upon a cave hidden by overgrowth. Letting his curiosity get the best of him, he decided to venture in for a closer look. As he entered the mouth of the cave, he froze. Something was moving in the darkness. As the figure emerged, he could see it was vaguely humanoid, the size of a large man, but with scale-like skin and distinctly reptilian features. Terrified, the man ran for his life. A few days after the strange encounter, Several Tahlequah residents reported seeing the creature traveling quickly through a field north of town. Though a number of townspeople assembled to hunt the creature, it disappeared and was never seen again. Another mysterious creature that makes its home in the Ozarks is called, appropriately, the Ozark Howler. Its distinctive call sounds like an eerie amalgamation of an elk's bugle and a wolf's howl. Those who have seen the howler describe it as a large feline, somewhere between the size of a cougar and a bear. It has black hair, a stocky build, and is sometimes described as having horns. Its hunting grounds span the entirety of the Ozarks, with sightings reported in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Texas. The creature appears to be nocturnal, making it more difficult to spot. Scientists think that the howler might be a misidentified, or perhaps even an undiscovered, species of big cat. Wildlife officials in Arkansas had previously balked at the claims, stating that big cat populations no longer inhabited their section of the Ozarks. This was proven to be false when a family on vacation was able to capture a photo of a large cat in the woods, most likely a cougar. The Ozarks are expansive and dense with plenty of areas that are inaccessible to humans. Cryptozoologists think it's certainly possible there may be a big cat species in those areas, perhaps even the Ozark Howler.
The Arkansas Fish and Game Department asserts that Ozark howlers are most likely the offspring of pet panthers, who somehow escaped captivity or were released into the wild, rather than some elusive cryptid. I'm not sure which explanation is more concerning, quite frankly, but in any case, both explanations refute the claim that no big cats are actively roaming the Ozarks. Historians in the area have suggested that perhaps the howler is a Smilodon or some evolutionary descendant. Smilodons, or saber-toothed cats, were native to the region eons ago. To many, it seems far-fetched. But if game wardens didn't notice cougars prowling the area, it's not outside the realm of possibility that other creatures, particularly of the nocturnal variety, might remain elusive. Who knows what the truth may be? Whatever this mysterious creature is, if you hear its otherworldly cry rip through the night, it's best to stay out of the woods. The final cryptid in this chapter of the grimoire is arguably the most famous. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Ape Man. It's one of the most persistent and well-documented cryptozoological mysteries. The first known documented sighting of the ape-like cryptid was by Norseman Leif Erikson and his crew in 986 AD. They kept meticulous accounts of their travels, and during their first exploration in the New World, the Vikings wrote about huge, man-like beasts that were horribly ugly, hairy, swarthy, and with great black eyes. Leif wrote that the hairy creatures towered over him and his men. According to his accounts, the beasts had a strong, foul odor, a deafening shriek, and appeared to make their home deep in the woods. Leif and his men experienced multiple sightings of the mysterious creatures before they again set sail. The Norsemen named the creature Skelring, and historians and cryptozoologists alike believe that the Skelring is what we know today as Bigfoot. Native tribes across the United States have accounts of similar creatures, with legends of their origins being passed down from generation to generation. Some tribes saw the Sasquatch as a gentle, solitary beast, while others told stories of more sinister creatures. These monsters, known as Diyaha or Kwikwiyai, were a nocturnal race, coming out to hunt under the cloak of darkness. Children were told never to name the beasts aloud, or else they would appear in the night to carry them away. Thankfully, the most widespread accounts are much less menacing. One of the earliest non-native accounts came from Jasper, Alberta in 1811. A man by the name of David Thompson caught a glimpse of a large, hairy beast in the woods and stumbled upon the creature's unusual footprints. He described them as being 14 inches long and 8 inches wide, with four distinct toe marks. In 1840, a Protestant pastor named Elkana Walker wrote about hairy giants that lived among the Native American tribes of Spokane, Washington. The tribes allegedly told Walker that the creatures inhabited the peaks of nearby mountains and would often steal salmon from their fishing nets. There is no shortage of Bigfoot sightings, with reports spanning decades and occurring all over the United States. But it wasn't until 1958 that the commonly accepted term for the hairy cryptid was coined. 
A heavy equipment operator named Jerry Crew was working in Humboldt, California when he came across the largest footprints he had ever seen. Shocked and intrigued, Crew decided to make a cast of one. A local newspaper published an article about Crew and his strange discovery, along with a photo. Eventually, the article was picked up by other papers and spread throughout the country. In the end, it was the picture of Crew holding the Bigfoot that made the name stick. Oklahoma is currently number 15 in the top 20 states with the most frequent Bigfoot sightings, with LaFleur County having the most documented experiences. The most recent reported sighting was in July of 2014 in Delaware County. A Native American tribal elder saw a Sasquatch chasing a deer through a heavily wooded area. The small, rural town of Hanobia, Oklahoma, has experienced a high volume of Bigfoot sightings as well. So much so that Hanobia is the site of the annual Bigfoot Festival and Conference to be held this year on the weekend of October 6th. It's a chance for Bigfoot enthusiasts to mingle with well-known researchers, historians, and cryptozoologists, as well as an opportunity for people to come forward to discuss their own personal experiences. Another Sasquatch hotspot is Idabel, near the Wachita National Forest. The forest is particularly dense there, with trees thick enough to blot out the sun. Joe Atwood, a local woodsman and hunter, told the Tulsa Tribune that it's the creature's shrill cry that you notice first. The sound is described as a mix between a howl and a siren that's slightly off-key. It's a sound he has heard many times while out in the woods, and one he never quite gets used to. Whatever this is, my dogs don't want anything to do with it, he said, and he agrees with the dog's good sense. Atwood has had two alleged run-ins with the elusive cryptid, and his account is just one of many. McCurtain County Deputy Sheriff Kenny McKee told Ron Wolf of the Tulsa Tribune, that probably half a dozen people or more have reported seeing an animal that fits the description of the beast. Though he has never seen the creature himself, McKee believes that the forest is deep enough to hide a mystery, and there are plenty of caves along the river and places difficult for men to access. It's reasonable to assume there are plenty of places a Sasquatch could make his home without fear of a human coming across it. As it turns out, I have a friend who has had a first-hand experience with an Oklahoma Bigfoot. I recently caught up with local photographer Western Doty to learn more about his unexpected sighting and his unique theory to explain why the creature is so elusive. About 2004, uh, I was a sales manager for a company and I had a sales rep from Illinois fly down to meet me. We were going to visit a customer down in Valiant, Oklahoma. And while traveling down, we got down to, I think it was Hugo, and started heading east towards Valiant. And while I was driving to the left, this massive creature, about nine foot, long red hair, walked out of the woods, walked down a little bit, and then walked back in the woods as we were passing by. And like I said before, I didn't believe in this kind of thing. I was just kind of shocked. I thought I was seeing things. 
you know, and I pretty much chalked it up to, you know, I just, it was a hallucination or something. I was tired or, uh, but then my coworker, you know, yelled out, did you see that? Which really caused me to pause and ponder and because I did see it. And now I'm questioning something that I've always dismissed. I just witnessed one walking out of the woods. So, you know, and as I thought about what I saw, uh, I began to think about my other belief system about how I look at the universe and how, you know, we have these different dimensions and that the space and time is like a book and we're one page of many pages. And, you know, sometimes the page gets bent back and maybe Bigfoot is a dimensional creature that sometimes gets caught into our world as the page gets bent or we get caught in their world. I tend to lean more towards that belief now that Bigfoot does exist in a dimensional form and not necessarily a creature that's hiding out here in the woods. So what exactly is Bigfoot? Is he a shy, gentle giant? A sinister, ape-like menace? Or an elusive, interdimensional being? Or does he only exist in the darker corners of our imagination? That's all for this week's episode. For more information on these legends and many more, follow me on Instagram at Southern Grimoire or on my Facebook page. Until next time, listeners, remember, there is no darkness that cannot be overcome by light. <laughs>